Good morning, I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who've been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we're here with Stephen Lee from Crossville First United Methodist Church. Crossville First United Methodist meets on Sunday mornings at 8.30 for a traditional service. Sunday school starts at 9.45. The contemporary service starts at 11 o'clock. And Wednesday night, there are all sorts of small groups happening. But what you need to know is that the meal starts at 5 o'clock, and you are all invited to come join in the ministries and classes, experiences happening at Crossville First United Methodist Church. Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling. Thank you for being with us this morning, Stephen. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So uh, you're new to this community. You have been living in Waverly, Tennessee. Is that correct? Well, that's where I'm originally from. It is? Okay. But I was pastoring at uh, the First United Methodist Church in Dixon. Okay. So how long have you been in the Upper Cumberland area? This time since July. This time. Has there been another time? Yes. Um after I got out of seminary in 1996, I was actually on staff at Cookville First oh, for two okay. years. Well, shout out to all the folks in Cookville. Yes, that's a great church. And then um, following my short stint there, I was at Gainesboro in Jackson County okay. for uh, three years. And so this is my second stint to the Upper Cumberland. Were you excited coming back to this area? Oh, yes. We love it here. It's beautiful, isn't it's it? It's great. What are some of your favorite things about the Upper Cumberland area? The cooler temperatures. Yes. And uh, the scenery is just phenomenal. It's breathtaking. It is. They're beautiful, um, beautiful waterfalls, beautiful hiking trails, a lot of nature to enjoy. Yes, um, and the people are very kind. The people are the best part. Yes. Yeah. There's a true sense of community here, isn't there? Oh, most definitely. Yes, we we felt uh, loved immediately when we moved into the area uh, of Crossville. They just accepted us in like we were a part of their family. Mm, there's nothing like Southern hospitality, especially <laughs> that Tennessee hospitality. Yes, correct. And you see the best of it in the Upper Cumberland. Yes. So where did you grow up then, Stephen? Well, uh, my wife and I both grew up in Waverly. Okay. And um, uh, I went to college uh, for my first two years at Martin Methodist okay. in Pulaski. Okay. And at that time, it was only a two-year institution. And then I transferred to Austin P. after that and got my uh, Bachelor of Science and Arts um, in Sociology and History. Oh, wow. And then after that, I went and finished my MDiv at Asbury Theological Seminary in Wilmore, Kentucky. Okay, and tell folks what an MDiv is. Master of Divinity, and that is the uh, degree of choice if you want to become an elder in the United Methodist Church. So you have mastered divinity. No, that's an ongoing process, (laughs) (laughs) one that I will never complete. It's a lifelong journey, isn't it? Indeed. It's a great journey to be on. Yes, it is. Yeah. So as you have um, studied faithfully in order to uh, earn these degrees, what has been your experience of God through study? Even though I think I've uh, learned a lot uh, of things that I wouldn't normally have acquired, uh, it actually has brought me to a place that I, I know how much I do not know. Isn't that important to yes. realize what we don't know? Yes, 
because there's so much that we don't know that we presume to know. Indeed. Yes, not actually it made me feel uh, more ignorant the more degrees I had. And I know that sounds strange, but um, as I began to learn, it just brought about more questions. It's interesting that you should say that because I was just reading this morning and uh, one of the sentiments offered was the older we get and the wiser we get, the quieter we become Mm. because we're listening to those around us and absorbing their thoughts. Yes, I always think about that passage, be uh, quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to anger. Yes. And I've tried to put that into practice in my life. Yeah, that's that's a good one for all of us to focus on, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because, you know, I, I've i got an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. Yes. So tell us about Stephen Lee growing up as a little boy. What what were you like as a as a school child? Hmm. Um, I'm still an introvert, but I was a, an extreme introvert oh, okay. growing up. All right. Uh, kept to myself. Okay. I was pretty much a loner. Um, was there a special friend that you connected with? Not in my early days. No. no. Okay. Uh, um, I actually spent most of my time playing sports. Oh, that wow. was my big thing. Okay. What's uh, your baseball, sport? Baseball and basketball. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, but but baseball was my main sport and and we lived in uh, the rural part of Waverly. Um wasn't on a farm, but it was in a farm area. Um and I would just go out and shoot baskets on my own basketball yeah. and uh my mom and dad bought me a uh, a pitch bag, as they called them in those days, and I would practice my pitching and my fielding with that pitch bag because yes. I would throw, and it would—it's a netting, and it'll right. the ball will bounce back to you either in the air or in or on the ground. And so I'd practice my fielding and my uh, placement of my pitching. Cool. You know, I just happen to be a Cubbies fan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, well, we will probably be at odds on that because I'm a Cardinals <laughs> fan. <laughs> You know, that's okay. It, it doesn't matter who wins if it's a good game. Yes. Absolutely. And I was yeah. I was so uh, dejected when the Nationals just tore my Cardinals all to pieces. <laughs> There's always next year, buddy. Yes. Always next always. year. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and we'll be back in a moment. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're here this morning with Stephen Lee from Crossville First United Methodist Church. And, Stephen, you've been telling us about where you grew up and a little bit about you and uh, your childhood. Tell us now how you began to figure out that God was calling you into this life of ministry. That is a process as well. Um, I actually come from a long line of ministers. Uh, starting back with my paternal grandparents, who were uh, both traveling evangelists for the Church of God of Prophecy. Wow. And my father, uh, by his own admission, was a rebellious PK, preacher's kid for all of you who do not know that terminology. And um, he... He used to tell us growing up that even though he was born in a clergy family, that uh, 
he wasn't anything at all. He was not a Christian. Okay. And um, when he when he married my mom, they still were not really churchgoers in the beginning. And um, but my mom was the Methodist. That's okay. how we got the Methodists in our family. Okay. And uh, through prayer and through God's revelation in his life, he kind of had a converting experience and a call to ministry at the same time. Wow. Okay. Um, so your dad accepted Christ and became a minister. Yes. Wow. And That's several quick. of his friends were freaking out because they'd never imagined him to be I bet so. a pastor. And he was, a, a, I mean, I'm a big guy, but he was, he scaled over me like three or four more inches. So and how was a old big were guy. you when this happened to him? Um, just baby. Oh, just little. Even, okay. Right about the time I was born was when this happened. Okay. And uh, I am the fourth out of five boys. In our family. And the middle three became Methodist ministers. Wow. And, uh, but my dad uh, was always bivocational. He was a crane operator. Okay. And then he served multiple church charges in the United Methodist Church over the years. And, uh, but we never moved growing up. Okay. Okay. So, uh, you saw this happen to your dad. Was it familiar when it began happening to you? It was quite a different um, situation altogether uh, because um, my um, my dad, of course, never was formally educated. Okay. As a United Methodist minister, right. went to the course of study and right. things of that sort, but right. he never... He never finished high school, even. Okay. Neither did my mother. Okay. And um, so education wasn't a big part. Formal education, I right. should say, yeah, was yeah. not a big part of our family lineage. Yeah. And some people who don't have formal formal education are still some of the smartest people you ever meet. Yes, yeah. they are. Yeah, we were. We had a we had a great upbringing as a family. We were raised in a Christian home, and uh, we were poor, but. We had everything that we needed. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but since my father was pastoring multiple church charges, um, and I had uh, older brothers, there's kind of a two sets of. Okay. In our family Siblings. life, there's three of them, and then there's a break of eight years between the third one and me, and then there, then there's three. Okay. Between the last two. Okay. Uh, and um, so my mother chose, since my dad was going from church to church, she wanted all of us to be in Sunday school. And so even though she never drove after uh, after the children were born, she, she used to drive a truck with my father. Uh, they drove a gas truck together. Okay, wow. And so she could drive a big machine but she chose not to drive, get her driver's license. Okay. And so all this time she had to row with my dad or one of us children. Right. And so my my older brothers uh, were the ones chauffeuring us to church. We there was a uh, a small family United Methodist Church, eight tenths of a mile from our home, and so my brothers would drive all of us 
to there so we could go to Sunday school okay. with our cousins and uncles and aunts. Our uncles and aunts were our teachers, really, yeah. in Sunday school. And then um, we actually didn't even have preaching every Sunday because there were multiple churches on that right. uh, circuit, and they only came every other week. The pastor did, mm-hmm. yeah, to preach. So uh, how old were you when you knew that God was calling you into this life of ministry? Some some might say the family business. Yes. Um, actually, um, the earliest I remember, I was about 11 or 12. Oh, wow, that's young. And um, the the thing that was weird about me it probably still is, that I always had a fascination, even as a child, about reading the Bible and going to church. Oh, wow. Our, uh, in fact, um, I've kept up with this, um, and I'm 54 years old, and I've missed Sunday morning church six times my whole life. You're kidding. That, including wow. sickness and deaths. Wow, that's amazing. And my family and I, we always take... We typically try to go on vacation. We'll leave after church uh-huh. on Sunday morning, I'll preach, and then we'll go somewhere. Wow. And um, we'll try to be back by the next Sunday. But even if we go somewhere that requires us being gone over a week, uh, we will take our clothes to go to church. Wow. Wherever we are. That's that's being faithful, buddy. So, yeah. And, and it didn't initially start out as a... Um, with the right motivation, I say it was more seen as a um, um, a legalistic thing. Yeah, uh, that you have to do this. But as I grew older, it became something that I wanted to do. Isn't that amazing how uh, God changes our hearts to something that we're supposed to do to something that we just have this thirst mm-hmm. for? Yes, we have to be there. We need it. It's like the breath that we breathe. And I, that's and I was getting to the point. Um, that's kind of how I discovered my call. Uh, our parents were not not ones to push us into that, right? Because they they knew all of the negativity of being in the spotlight or or uh, you know in the gla- fishbowl is what they call right. it. Right. Um, it's uh, not ever, always an easy life. No, it's not at all. I feel sorry for my children. Actually, they didn't choose to be in that, but they do a pretty good job about yeah. uh, about that role. But but back when I was eleven or twelve, I had a Sunday school teacher named Miss Christine Allison in Waverly, and she uh, was in charge of kind of the education of of all of the church. But she was my specific Sunday school age teacher. And she started this competition, if you will, of who can read the most chapters in the Bible each week. Oh, wow. And so every week, the per- you, you told them how many you... And you were like, game on, right? Yes, and but, but I'm, I'm convicted to say this. Initially, that did not happen as a result of my zest for God. Right. It came as a result of my competitiveness being an athlete. Right. I wanted to win every time. There you go. And and when there were times when people would catch up to me, clo- get close to me, I would even read more. Right. But over the years, that that ill intention became a love 
of wanting to read the scripture. That's wonderful. So God used that, and that, and, I, and that same Sunday school teacher, she was the first one that said to me, verbally, God is calling you to be a pastor. Ah, prophetic. Yes. I'm Dana Hornby. You're listening to The Calling, and we'll be back in a moment. I'm Dana Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. We're here this morning with Pastor Stephen Lee from Crossville First United Methodist Church. And Stephen would like to share a motivational moment. Today I wanted to share with you from the book of Psalms, uh, more specifically Psalm 131. It's probably not one of the most commonly known ones, but uh, it is very rich in its content and meaning for our lives. So uh, I invite you to hear these words with uh, new understanding. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. May God add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of these words. As I was uh, thinking about this particular psalm, I was thinking about all the things in our lives that uh, become too overwhelming for us, particularly during uh, the culture in which we live. Uh, There's always disagreements over politics, religion, even sports teams. And often that can lead us to feeling overwhelmed and uh, just burdened by life's cares. But when I hear the words of the psalmist, when he proclaims to God that his heart is not lifted up, his eyes are not raised too high, and he does not occupy himself with things that are too great or marvelous for him. This is a a, a situation where the psalmist places his full trust in God. He doesn't want to uh, be overcome with the feelings uh, that are before him, and so he, he relinquishes control to God. But the thing that really speaks to me is this image that you get in verse 2 of Psalm 131. The psalmist again proclaims, But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. It took me several years to get the image of this, but in my mind I picture that a child, when it is on its mother's breast, is coming there specifically to be fed. The child comes for what he or she can gain from the mother. The psalmist gives us a beautiful picture that when his soul is calmed and quieted, it is like a weaned child at its mother's breast. He or she comes not for what he or she can gain from that, but they come just for the intimacy of the moment of spending time with the mother. And I think that's the way our prayer life should be, that we come to God not for what we want God to do for us or in us, but we come for just the intimacy in our relationship with God. Amen. 
I'm Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. I'm Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling. And Stephen, this is my favorite part of the show because I get to ask you five questions. Uh-oh. And you never know which five questions I'm going to ask. It could be. It could be anything. Uh oh. You do get you do get one sort of prize though. You get to plead the fifth on one of them. If you could be the funniest person in the room or the smartest person in the room, which would you choose to be? The smartest. The smartest, yeah. Yes. Would you be smart in one particular subject? Like would you be a nuclear physicist? Or a brain surgeon? <laughs> Or the best theologian in the world. The best theologian. You would. Yes. Okay. Excellent. Okay, that's a required answer. That's, yes. <laughs> that's the preacher answer. We have to make sure the bishop and yes. the BS are here. <laughs> Duly noted. Okay. Let's say you had the opportunity to travel in time. And you could go to any place, anywhere, any time period you wanted to go to. Would you... Go back in history and meet your ancestors? Or would you go into the future and see your descendants? Probably go back. Really? Is there anybody you would want to see? Grandma or Grandpa? No, not anyone in particular. Just I like to know what decisions and which people influenced the person that I am today. What is your best scar story? I'm sure you have a scar somewhere, right? Oh, yes. What's plenty, your best scar story? Plenty of them. All right. Choose one. This journey that is, that is ongoing in our family. Okay. Um, our oldest son, Nathaniel, who is 23 now, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor when uh, two months before he turned 16. Wow. And he still, uh, uh, even though his scans have been stable for the last four years, uh, there's always that scare that uh, it's going to return. Sure. And um, because of uh, that uh, brain tumor and the chemo and the radiation that he went through, he it has left him uh, disabled. Right. And he is both physically and cognitively uh, disabled from that, from those things, and has limited uh, vision, uh, limited use of his right arm. He drags his right leg behind him, uh, has severe uh, uh, short-term memory loss and confusion and things of that sort, and he makes it very difficult for him to uh, live. I'm sure that is tough. And he came from uh, being a uh, national scholar to struggling with, you know, just everyday living. Daily living, yeah. Okay, Stephen, let's see. Question number four. What is the best advice that you have ever been given? Ooh, that is a tough one. Nobody ever gave you good advice? Oh, plenty times. (laughs) Um... I do remember something that my father uh, taught us when we went into ministry because he had um, an experience in his early days 
there was a lady in his congregation who was very poor, and he said that when she would, he would go visit her, that there were holes in the floor of her house, and oh. chickens were underneath the house, and you could see them all the time, and she lived in abject poverty. And one Christmas, she tried to get, she bought my dad and mom a, a country ham for Christmas. And my dad said he made the mistake of not accepting it because he said she needed it worse than we did. Oh. And she, he hurt her feelings over that. And he always told us that uh, we should never refuse a gift from a church member or or anybody, because um, that was a way that was communicated to them that we thought we were better than they were. Oh, wow. So I've always tried to live by that philosophy yes. that I'm always humbled at that, yeah. regardless of how much anybody has. But right. particularly those who I know are probably not as fortunate, those are greater gifts of grace. They're sacrificial gifts. Yes, they are. Yes, absolutely. That's a great lesson. Okay, last question. If you could have an unlimited supply of any one thing for the rest of your life, what would that be? I think I already have that. Really? Love. Oh, yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't have to wish for that. I already have it. Oh, that's great. From God and, and humans. Oh, that's great. Well, from my impression of you, Stephen, you're easy to love. So, Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And you uh, exude the grace and peace of God. And so, um, Thank you. yeah, I'm glad that's coming back to you. Thank you, Stephen, for joining me today and for discussing your ministry at Crossville First United Methodist Church. It's 100 Braun Street. 100 Braun Street, Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9.45, and 11, and Wednesday nights and meals starting at 5 o'clock. Each week, we'll introduce you to members of the community who followed their call to serve. I'm Denna Hornby, and this has been The Calling.